Welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast number 20, our philosophy on horizontal forward motion, why we teach front glides and back glides immediately instead of doggy paddle. My name is Jeff. I'll be your host for today. Let's get started. Today, I want to thank you for joining us on the Swimming Ideas Podcast. It is listeners like you, why I do this podcast for your swim lessons and for your swim program. I want to thank you again for listening. If you do enjoy or find anything in this podcast useful, I encourage you to please leave a comment or a review on our iTunes podcast page. You can find us by looking for Swimming Ideas, and it should be one of the only swimming podcasts on iTunes. Now, I also know that we are the only Swim Lessons podcast on iTunes, so anything that you can do to help us out by liking our page or giving us a review, anything you can do will be beneficial to this podcast. Uh, So I do appreciate you taking the time to do that for me if you find anything in these podcasts useful. Like I said earlier, today we are talking about our philosophy of horizontal forward motion, why we teach front glides and back glides immediately instead of teaching doggy paddle. Now, this comes about because there's been a discussion recently in swim lessons about self-guided play. And we did a um, podcast, podcast number 18, Does Active Floating Play Actually Work? And it does, and it has its uses, but we don't teach doggy paddle. Now, some YMCA programs do. Uh, I'm not saying all of them do, but there are some that incorporate the floats, the front and back floats, and encourage doggy paddling. Uh, There's the infant rescue swimming, which encourages doggy paddling as well. It's not an actual swimming stroke. Now, that is for infants, so it's not as uh, adaptable for glides. Uh, But even in our parent-taught program, we are teaching glides. So we are teaching all of our swimmers how to glide through the water. We're looking for horizontal forward motion. Now, I'm going to go through some of the positives and negatives of both glides and doggy paddling. Uh, And we can have a discussion here on what you think is the best course of action and how you can integrate pieces of each into your program. Now, I encourage you to send me an email, jswim at swimminglessonsideas.com, with your thoughts on doggy paddle and its place in swim lessons. Also, you can connect with me on Twitter at swimmingideas. I uh, have an active Twitter feed and would love to hear from you. So let me know if that's something that you use in your program, this doggy paddle process. So as I just want to start off here, all of our swim lessons and the swim lesson programs that we promote on our website, Swimming Lessons Ideas, incorporate this horizontal motion philosophy. So everything is built on this foundation of we want to get our swimmers moving forward on the surface of the water as quickly as possible. And that's because freestyle, backstroke, butterfly, breaststroke, everything is founded upon streamline. And if we can teach our swimmers glides, which is basically a a preliminary to streamline, then we can have better swimmers quicker in our swim program. And what we want to do is we use our swim lessons to teach swimming and to promote safety, but we also use it as a feeder program for our swim program, our swim team. So we want to get our five, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds able to swim well enough so they can participate in swim team. And generally, what we find by teaching this is that this ancillary, the side uh, benefit of 
doggy paddle and say and uh, breathing and being able to lift your head up and struggle for air comes about at the same time as glides if we just teach glides so we don't need to explicitly be teaching doggy paddle or using your palms to push the water to make yourself move or lifting your head up to breathe we don't need to exactly explicitly teach that our students learn that as a part of their our program when they are when we're just teaching them glides so let's get started right with the why we teach front glides uh, what the positives in our mind is what front glides have so number one the positives of front glides and back glides glides are typically with the face in the water so uh, every activity that we do uh, is centered upon going underwater and this is the basis for swimming is having your face be in the water uh, so it's our first benefit of a glide so you can put your face in the water when you do it second benefit of a glide is the glides are easier to move farther with less effort. Now, what I mean by that is that if you do a glide off a bench or from the instructor to the wall, and you hold that good body position, the straight body posture, soldier position, or position 11, then you're going to go farther with less effort. Now, what we want to teach our students is that if they push off the wall, and then they get themselves in the soldier position, or if they get themselves in position 11, they're gonna go farther than they're gonna go if they curve their body or bend their belly or stick their butt up in the air. We want them to know right off the bat, because it's so important to swimming, we want them to know right off the bat that getting in that glide position, getting in that soldier or that position 11 position is gonna make them move faster because it does. Now, we want to encourage our swimmers to be able to lift their heads up if they need to or to change direction. And that's something that you can do just by being in a swim lesson. It's not something that we need to explicitly teach them how to do. They should attain that skill as a part of being in the water and taking swim lessons. Uh, so, number one, glides are with the face in the water, which is ideal because we won't. All of swimming is really going underwater. Number two, glides are easier to go farther with less effort. Uh, glides, when done correctly, for number three here, glides, when done correctly, have the same body position as all the other strokes. So freestyle, backstroke, breaststroke, butterfly. And I went over this briefly before, but all of our strokes are founded on core body posture. So when we are coaching swimming, we talk a lot about posture, line, and balance. What we're really talking about is maintaining a straight body posture while swimming so that we can propel ourselves forward through the water easier and faster and with more oomph, more uh, propulsion. Uh, and to do that, we need to have a strong core to keep our body straight as we pull along the side of it. So almost like a canoe is going through the water and our arms are the paddles. Our body is the canoe. So our body needs to stay straight while our arms paddle us forward. So when the glides are done correctly, which is in soldier position or position 11, then the we have a, a basis that we can work on when we go to teach those other strokes. So we don't need to talk about, okay, keep your body straight, keep your belly, you know, as much as we, because it's already learned. 
we can focus more on what the arms are doing because those are the real big differences there. So in freestyle, the arms are different than the arms in breaststroke, although they all travel through that same position 11 or soldier position uh, during each stroke. So number one, the faces in the water. Number two, it's easier to go farther. Number three, it's the same core body position. Number four, of a positive for doing teaching glides. Uh, proper glides have arms in the same position as the swimming strokes. Now this is basically saying that position 11, each stroke travels through position 11. Now, to be more specific here, I'm talking about doing a glide in position 11. And if you do all of your glides with that position 11 uh, format, then your swimmers will have a recollection of what that is just based on repetition that they've done it for so long. So when they're swimming freestyle, they can reach back into that position 11 arm directly above the shoulder instead of their arm reaching out to the side or they're bending their elbow before their hand touches the water above their head. And that's some common problems that we see on swim team and what we want to address immediately in swim lessons. We want them to get in the habit of putting their arms out in front of them straight so they can A, reach for the wall, which is a safety issue. B, get ready to initiate a pull because if your arm is out in front, you can put your hand down and pull the water back to your side and then get it back into position 11 to take another stroke. So you can move yourself forward by getting your hand out in front of you. And every stroke that is in swim team uses this position 11 position. So freestyle, you wanna reach out to position 11 with each arm stroke. Breaststroke, when you shoot or reach forward, you're reaching back into position 11. Um, when you do uh, butterfly, each arm stroke, you're reaching back to position 11. Backstroke, it's the same thing. You're reaching above your head into position 11, then anchoring in the water and pulling yourself through the water behind you. So every stroke that we have uses position 11. And we don't call it that explicitly, but when we're doing front glides, the arms are, hands are on our shoulders, their body, their arms are straight, and their bodies are straight behind them, and we're getting them to put their face in the water. So we're basically doing a position 11 with support right from the beginning. And that's an exciting thing because uh, we're starting that right away immediately, and it goes through all the strokes. Uh, so uh, number six here uh, is it requires one body position to do well which is position 11 or soldier. So there's no multiple complicated motions or body positions that we are asking our students to engage in to perform well. Once they kind of understand that, oh, I keep my body straight, everything else comes really rapidly and really quickly. So we're, we're targeting this one specific motion and this body position in order to be our foundation, be our basis for the rest of our program. All right, so what are some negatives? about position 11 and more specifically front glides and back glides. So what are some negatives here? We feel that one of our negatives is it requires the face in the water. So that can be a difficult hurdle to get across and it may prevent some people from progressing and which is why we have an entire level devoted to putting your face in the water. And if you have taken a look at our swim lesson plans or our swim program, level one is the level that we dedicate to going underwater. And for the most part, 
if you look at the uh, the requirements for moving up to a level one, or if you listen to podcast number 13, level one, day one walkthrough, then you'll see that the focus is on going underwater and then the testable skills, which you can get at the swim lesson program starter kit. It's the swim lesson starter kit. You get the testable sheets for level one and level two. One of the testable skills is go underwater. Do they go underwater on their own? And the other two are, can they do a supported front glide and a supported back glide? So it, you can see from our level sheets here that they need to be able to go underwater and they need to be able to be a supported position 11, basically, front glide, and a supported back glide. And they need to be comfortable doing that with us before they can move on. So we've dedicated to address this negative that it might require your face in the water and that may be a difficult hurdle or it may keep someone from progressing. Uh, so that might be an argument, So, but we have addressed that by uh, putting an entire level towards it. Another negative for doing glides. So after the initial push off the wall or the initial uh, push from the instructor, uh, there is low mobility. So what I mean by that is that when you push off the wall, there's that one motion, that one jump, and then if you're not kicking or if you don't know how to do the arms properly, then the mobility slows down drastically. So for our beginning students, we want to get them to the wall by the time that motion, that initial push, kind of fades out. So it might be a body length, it might be two body lengths, uh, but we want to provide them the distance uh, the, the initial push or the initial jump, we want to be standing in the appropriate place so uh, we can lift them up or support them by the time that initial motion finishes. And what I mean is, to be more specific, if someone pushes off a bench in front glide and they're not kicking and they're not doing their arms, they're only going to go a certain distance. And then they don't know how to progress farther, so we need to support them. So that's a negative. Also, number three, so number one is it requires your face in the water. Number two, once you've pushed off the wall uh, and you're, let's say you're going in deep water, you may be stuck going that deep. Number three, there are difficulties in changing direction, so it's not as easy to lift your head up and turn around if you've been taught front glides. So if you're just doing glides, then it's really easy to go in a straight line. It's really easy to go horizontally forward, but it's not as easy to then stop and turn around and get back. So there are difficulties in changing direction. Number four, the, uh, another negative for glides, is there's no emphasis on breathing initially. So at first we're not teaching lift your head up to take a breath and then keep going. What we're doing is we're saying put your face in the water, do your front glide, and then when you need to breathe, that's it. We're going to stop the activity and you're going to either return to your start location or you're going to arrive at your location and stand up. So there's no teaching of the initial breathing at all. We're just talking about going underwater and performing skills without integrating any breathing at the time. And which might be a safety concern for some parents and some people uh, because we're not directly addressing, oh, lift your head up and struggle to breathe and then roll over onto your back and wait for help to arrive. So we're not actually doing that. Uh, and that's a possible negative for glides. And finally, a number five here for front glides and back glides and negative is there's no emphasis on arms making propulsion at first. 
So we're not teaching directly in any way how the arms scooping and making circles or motions or pulling actions will move the body forward. Now that's something that we teach in level two. It's something that we do in level one by doing you know, front crawl arms, but it's not something that we explicitly focus on or work on to promote motion or movement. Instead, what we're focusing on is the body line and the body posture. We're not focusing on doggy paddling or the, or the hands moving in order to get the body to go anywhere or to lift the head up. Now that we've gone over some of the positives and negatives of the front glides and doggy gli uh, back glides, we're going to talk about our doggy glides. No, we're going to talk about doggy paddle swimming and its role in survival swimming and if you should use it, uh, some of the positives and negatives of the doggy paddle and how you can use it in your program if you want to. So we've recently integrated into the swimming lessons ideas, uh, swim lesson starter kit, the uh, use of active guided play and putting on life jackets and letting the participants move around in an area. We do that under a controlled environment and it's essentially using doggy paddle to teach swimmers how to use their hands and their arms to move themselves to the water. So it's all about forward propulsion and motion. And that's something that we've recently integrated because uh, we feel that it does have a place in swimming lessons. Now, it's not going to be our focus teaching method, and it's not going to be the primary way that we're going to go about using uh, our, our teaching and swimming. And we're definitely not teaching doggy paddle, but we are allowing them to discover doggy paddle on their own during this active guided play. And you can hear more about that in uh, Swimming Ideas podcast number 18, Does Active Floating Play Actually Work? And, it, and we feel that it does, and we've seen results with it. So some benefits of doggy paddle. Uh, number one, it can learn how to breathe. So your swimmers can learn how to breathe by doggy paddling. And what I mean by that is if they're falling in the water and they know, okay, if I doggy paddle with my hands in front of me, you know, kind of paddling around, I can lift my head up directly and take a breath. So it may save, you know, it may give them on a safety perspective or standpoint, it may give them about uh, five to 10 extra seconds here if all they know how to do is doggy paddle and breathe once, which you know, is a huge deal. So any amount of time that we can provide and a longer, uh, in the grand scheme of things, is better. Uh, number one, it, you, so you can learn how to breathe. Number two, uh, any direction is relatively easy to go in. So you can change directions fairly easily. Uh, you can move around. You don't, you're not locked into this one line like you are in a glide. So if you jump off the wall, you go straight out. You can then doggy paddle. Um, assuming you know both here and change directions and get back to the wall. So you have a possibility here of being able to change direction and move around um, easily, easily. So you can go more zigzag or go in a circle. It's a little more easy to do that. And so benefit of doggy paddle, number one, you can learn how to breathe. Number two, you can change direction relatively easily. Number three, your head can stay above water. So while doggle, doggy doggle, while doggy paddling, you can keep your head above water. It's very difficult to do, but it's a definite possibility. So you can then further extend your uh, ability to stay above water longer. So you may not be underwater gasping for air 
underwater or not able to breathe. You'll be able to keep your head above water and breathe. So from a safety standpoint, um, it looks like doggy paddle would provide you a little better opportunity to take a breath because with glides, we're not explicitly teaching our uh, breathing. We're actually saying put your face in the water and then we'll help you up or do your glide in an area that's safe so you can stand up on your own. So the benefits of doggy paddle, learn to breathe, change direction relatively easily, your head can stay above water. Number four, it's a survival swim, so you can keep your head up. If you fall underwater again, you can doggy paddle again to lift your head up. Uh, so you are at the surface and your head is above the water. It's a little safer if all you know how to do is doggy paddle. And finally, the last benefit for doggy paddle, and there may be others, and if you think there are others, please definitely let us know. Uh, send me an email, jswim at swimminglessonsideas.com. That's J-S-W-I-M at swimminglessonsideas.com. Or you can connect with me on Twitter at swimmingideas. I would definitely love to hear your opinion. You can reference this as SIP020 or Swimming Ideas Podcast number 20. And we can connect on what you think some of the benefits of Doggy Paddle are in your swim lesson program. I would be totally excited to hear from you about that. And finally, okay, our last benefit for Doggy Paddle is it can teach how the palms push against the water to make you move forward. So using your hands is basically what it teaches here is that by paddling your hands in a quick short motions in front of the body, you move yourself forward in the water or you can lift your head up and take a breath. Now those are some of the benefits. Uh, you can notice how they don't connect to the other strokes like glides do. So doggy paddle is really in itself a skill separated from everything else. So the only thing that really translates from doggy paddle to the other strokes is being able to understand that if you cup your hand or you make a palm and your hand flat and push against the water, there's going to be an opposite reaction of you moving in some fashion. So that's really the only benefit here of doggy paddling is that it, other than it lifts your head above the water if you do it um, briefly, it moves you forward. That, that's really the only benefit here. There's no other body mechanics or motions that connect to any of the other strokes. So let's look at some of the negatives to doggy paddle. Uh, and I'm trying to be pretty objective with this even though we don't use it in our program or we don't advocate for it at all. But I'm trying to be objective in order to give you some clear benefits of using doggy paddle in your program and some clear negatives and some clear positives of front glides and some clear negatives. So let's look at our negatives for doggy paddle. Uh, number one, it is exhausting. So if you've ever gotten in the water as an adult and tried to doggy paddle, you'll immediately understand how inefficient and difficult it is to do. It's very slow. It doesn't work well at all. If At best, it's it's uh, it'll get your head to the surface. It'll keep you there, but it, it's not very efficient at all. So it's very exhausting. Um Unless you, you understand, you know, the you know, hydrodynamics and floating and buoyancy, you can kind of use doggy paddle principles, uh, but that's something that we would learn later on in our swimming program, uh, more advanced, so treading water or flip turns uh, to that degree. Not for beginners. We're not going to teach buoyancy to our beginners. Uh, so number one negative for doggy paddle, it is exhausting, and it is just exhausting for younger swimmers as it is for adults. So 
Uh, it's short-lived. You cannot do doggy paddle for very long. Number two, it requires bad body position unrelated to any stroke. And I briefly went over this before when I was talking about the positives and how it doesn't connect to any of the other major strokes, freestyle, backstroke, breaststroke, or butterfly. So doggy paddle is basically uh, if you were to stand in um, a, on your hands and knees in, in a in, a, in, in that kind of position, if you were to, you know, be on the ground and your hands and knees, that's generally the position of doggy paddle. Your head is upraised, your back is relatively straight, your knees are bent to do some sort of kicking motion, and your hands are in front of you or underneath your chest. Uh, so that's generally what it looks like on land. It's not very connected. It's not connected in any way, really, to any of the other strokes. So freestyle, your body is straight and soldier. Backstroke, soldier position. Breaststroke, mostly position 11. At times you get in, you, you flow through. You could flow through a doggy paddle position with breaststroke when you're lifting your head up to breathe and then bending it forward to get back underwater. Uh, butterfly, it's undulating from a soldier position. So there's never a connection here to this doggy pedal body position. Um, and our final negative, so number one is exhausting. Number two, it requires body, body position. Sorry, number three, not our final negative, our second to last. <laughs> number three, uh, negative four doggy paddle is it's difficult to keep your head above water. So you can doggy paddle with your face in the water. Uh, why you would teach that, I'm not certain maybe to enforce, you know, maybe underwater swimming, uh, but doggy paddle is explicitly with the head above water. So it's very difficult to keep your head upraised, and if you are directly pushing underneath it, it's a struggle, so you have to move very quickly with a lot of arm pushes and short motions to keep your head above water, and that's not an easy thing to do. So it's exhausting. And which makes it difficult to keep your head above water. So you can do it temporarily, but it's not going to get you long-term benefits. Okay, and our final here, negative four doggy paddle. It is an inefficient movement to the amount of energy that is expended to get any results. So if you've ever looked at someone's hands as they're doggy paddling, they're generally moving and general circles in front of their face or in front of their chest underneath it and they're moving short distances so they may be moving quickly and short and that's really expending a lot of energy without a lot of direct benefit or motion attached to it whereas with freestyle it's an extremely efficient stroke not quite as much as breaststroke but it is very efficient the amount of energy you put into anchoring your hand and pushing the water behind you if you have a straight body line on the surface will make you go much farther than a, a single arm pull of freestyle will make you go farther than a single doggy paddle paddle so if you just do one little doggy paddle you might rise up slowly uh, quickly for a brief moment or you might move forward very short distance whereas with your face in the water your body straight in soldier position and you do one freestyle arm stroke and you push against the water you're going to go much farther it's a much more efficient use of your energy i would like to know if you have any negatives for doggy paddle now we do offer swim lesson programs both the swim lesson starter kit and the swimming lessons ideas lesson program directors package we do offer swim lessons that do not use 
doggy paddle in them. They are heavily vested in glides, front glides, back glides, with a recent addition of using guided play in the program, which is life jackets and you know active play on their own. So there is some incorporation of doggy paddle. What I want to know from you, and you can look at that at our swim lessons ideas, swimming lessons ideas website. If you look up at the top on the menu and you see swim lesson program, if you click there, you'll definitely be able to see uh, a detailed breakdown of what's offered in the swimming lessons, uh, swim lesson starter kit and the director program package. So if you're interested, I definitely encourage you to check that out. Uh, it will benefit your program uh, because it's totally founded in this glide, in the, in the glides. What I want to know from you, though, is what negatives do you have for doggy paddle? You know, is there something that I missed that you might think that is really bad about doggy paddle? Or, on the flip side of that, is what's a compelling reason to teach doggy paddle in a swim lesson program? You know, if you can come up with some reason, I would totally look at that and try to see if we can incorporate that into our program. But at this time, I really don't see any value for explicitly teaching doggy paddle. In fact, we discourage its use almost entirely, with a single exception of during life jackets. They can do anything they want. They can figure out how they can move themselves in any fashion. And oftentimes it's some variation of doggy paddle. So let me know what you think on that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Finally, uh, when we consider focusing on glides, we ignore doggy paddle altogether and we discourage its use. Uh, for safety issues, if you want to address, you know, well, well, doggy paddle is safer than doing glides. Uh, we feel that we, we teach bobbing, so jumping off the bottom and being able to breathe and then bob yourself to safety, which is an actual American Red Cross skill, a testable skill, uh, or rolling onto our back during a glide. So if we do a front glide, and then we teach how to roll over onto your back, which is fairly simple if you can just be comfortable on your stomach and on your back. Uh, we find that that's more effective than explicitly teaching lifting your head up and doing doggy paddle. Uh, instead, we want to say, okay, we'll do a back float. You know, if you get tired, roll over. Or if you get lost, roll over and kick your feet so you can get back to the walk. We also teach the palms or the hands pushing the water and the arm motion pushing the water to create uh, forward movement is easier done during front glides than it is with doggy paddle. So and a short explanation here because uh, I want to wrap this up is if you do a front glide, and let's say that your total distance is 10 yards. You do a front glide for five yards, and then you give instructions that say, okay, you need to do three or four strokes to get yourself that final five yards. So streamline halfway and do three strokes to get yourself the other halfway. That command on itself seems very mundane, very, very basic. You know, streamline halfway, three strokes the other half. What we're teaching, though, is streamline to make you move halfway, when you do your arm strokes, stay in that streamlined position, but your arms are what's going to make you move to that other half of the distance. So the streamline is going to get you halfway. So there's that forward horizontal motion. Staying in that streamline and then adding arm strokes is going to get you that other half. You know, it's not the doggy paddle that's moving you, it's your freestyle. So we're just by giving that simple command, we're implying through that command that the arm strokes can allow you they enable you to move forward and that's a that's a subtle but a, a important 
to the concept that we're talking about here um, in, in regards to swim lessons. So we're going to wrap this up. Wrap this up. I want to thank you for taking the time today to listen to our podcast. Uh, if you have any topics or any ideas that you want to talk about on this podcast or you want to hear about, or if you want to be interviewed, definitely give me an email, jswim at swimminglessonsideas.com, or connect with me on Twitter, at swimmingideas. I definitely appreciate all the time that you've spent listening to this podcast, going at our website, and checking out our lesson program. Uh, we feel that you're going to benefit from it, and if there's any comments that you'd like to leave, please do so in the form of a review on the iTunes podcast ver uh, portion of this podcast. Once again, thank you very much, and we'll hear from you soon.